We call this Missions Emphasis Sunday, and we love that. The Lord has brought to us this morning an organization, the people of an organization, that is a partner organization with IBC. As we talk about being engaged in God's great mission, both locally and globally, there are avenues for doing that. One of those is the youth ministry that we have talked about. And by the way, all of those of you who who gave meals and hosted, thank you so much for taking care of these young people. Yeah, it's an avenue by which we can be a part of what God is doing. And so there are organizations that are doing ministry in different places around the world, and we are privileged to have a connection and a partnership with some of those children of the nation's is such a one. And IBC has been part of Children of the Nations for many years. I don't know exactly how many. Maybe we'll hear about that. Uh, but I remember many years ago, a couple by the name of Bill and Pat Clark. And Bill and Pat Clark would come from Africa, and they would share stories from Africa and so forth. Well, they had some kids. And those kids grew up. And when I say those kids are actually older than I am, by a lot, I think. <laughs> so, the, the, out of that, their kids, one of their kids and his wife started a new organization. And it's called uh, kids, are, kids Around the World. No, it isn't. That was Ecuador. Woo! Uh, C-O-T-N, Children of the Nations. And Chris and Debbie Clark are really the founders of that. And they are here with their team, and they're going to share today. And we're going to be blessed to hear from the Word of God, and we're going to be blessed to hear from the, from the of fruit of that ministry that IBC has gotten to be a part of. My friends, my brothers and sisters, what a privilege that we have that sitting in these pews, we give, we pray, maybe we go... But the Lord has allowed you to have an impact on lives for his kingdom in different parts of the world. And today, it comes up close and personal, as you are going to see. So, Chris, my brother, please come on out. Would you all welcome Chris Clark? Never had such a long introduction. You took half my time. IBC, uh, great to be back home again. I uh, remember as a child, my dad used to make us come here to church. Of course, it was down in the old, old, old buildings. Um, and I came reluctantly, but God used those seasons of my life to create music and songs and hymns that are I still sing today. Of course, my wife always turns me down, uh, turns down on music. But uh, some of that I learned here because of the faithfulness of so many people that uh, have carried the torch of Christ, not only here, but around the world. And I get to be one of those legacies. My parents started as missionaries from this church in 1965, went to Africa. Um, but before that, they were in Japan, and God used IBC in a significant way with my father's life, who was the black sheep of his family, ended up coming up here to Port Angeles um, and with his wife. Uh, they were, she was a Catholic he was not a, he was an agnostic. 
And you know, in God's way, he allowed him to walk a trail by himself where he lost four children, or five children, four or five children, and then he lost his wife. And God used those seasons with people from IBC to encourage him, to love him, and tell him that God makes all things new. Say that together. God makes all things new. No matter what you're going through today, God makes all things new. What is it? God makes all things new. I learned that from Mike Jones. He's the only pastor I know in the world that can cry and keep preaching right through it. But before we get going, we thought we'd bring a little bit of our work here. Uh, Many of you have thought about going over there, but we know that our relationships are called bimentorial, meaning that we receive from the children that we care for as much as they receive from us. So I thought it would be great for Debbie to come and share with a couple of our beautiful daughters from all the way uh, in Sierra Leone and the Dominican Republic, a little of their story. So you might be encouraged of what God has done through our partnership with you. Debbie? Well, good morning, IBC. I'm going to date myself just a little bit here, but later you can come up and say you really don't look that old, if you would. Um, I think it was probably about 35 years ago that I first remember standing in your lobby, and what I loved about what was shared this morning is from 35 years ago till now, I have loved IBC's focus on missions, and you are to be commended for that because God has used you to reach the far ends of the earth. And Chris's parents, uh, his mom especially, was known for her programs. In fact, all of her grandchildren are traumatized because at every family event, they had to do a program. So I can remember standing in the lobby, and I was just told as we were newlyweds, hold this flag, and we're going to come marching into the sanctuary. And that was my first introduction to IBC. I'm not traumatized by that, but 35 years ago. So always so great to be up at IBC. We just love coming to your church, and as was mentioned, IBC has been a part of Children of the Nations from the very beginning, and we've been so, so very grateful for your partnership. Children of the Nations is approaching 28 years, and it was a little over 26 years ago that God called Children of the Nations to the Dominican Republic. And I'll never forget my first walk through the village of Algodon, um, or as they say there, the Bate of Algodon. So many vulnerable children living in desperate circumstances, lacking resources, lacking food, clean water, the hope of Jesus. And there was one One small shack that at that time served as their school building. One small shack, you could see through the the wood on the side, and there was a few small broken desks to serve hundreds of children in that village or bate. But it didn't really matter because there was very few children that even wanted to attend school because they thought, what's the purpose? What's the hope? Why would I go to school? Because it's not going to make any difference in my life. But today, all that has changed, and Carolina is here to tell you a little bit about the transformation that has happened in Algodon, not only in Algodon, but in that greater Barahorn region. So I want Carolina to come share with you a bit. Thank you. May God bless you. 
I was around eight years old when Children of the Nation came into my life. I had no hope or understanding of the future. I only saw girls, girls getting married and young men cutting sugar cane and picking tomatoes. I live in a desperate situation and a very hard condition with my addicted father to drugs and very, he was very aggressive. I suffer all kinds of physical, psychological, and emotional violence. Through Children of the Nations, I learned that God loved me and that he has a plan for me. And in the next years or two, school became possible for me for the first time. Children of the Nation began to offer class in the local church until your church helped to build the first schoolhouse in my community. That was awesome. I started school, but at home, I had no peace. And every day, it grew more difficult. I communicate my situation through my family, Children of the Nation, and they transfer me from the community to live with the missionary Malu Faulas. Children of the Nation helped me through the legal process with my father and give me psychological therapy. At this time, I remember I have to pay to my dad 10,000 Dominican pesos for he to move from my mom's house. That was his condition. And then he went in jail for five years. Then I went to university and graduated in clinical psychology with studies in management. With my university degree, I began transforming my community in the province of Barahona. I was giving talk about abuse, uh, giving counseling to the children at the school, and also when some church or a school need me, uh, I go there to talk about those things too. And a very other great news, I was hired by the government to work as a counselor with tuberculosis patients, and I was visiting all the medical center, center in my province, Barahona, and also other province, uh, Pedernales. God is good. He is merciful, and his mercy reached me through children of the nation, and that made me transform my community and Barahona and Children of the Nation is a really I I was I am really blessed by Children of the Nation by Debbie and Chris Clark and also for your church because I had the possibility possibility to go to the school when I was nine years old I was very old when I got to the, the school for the first time and also I wanna thanks Andrea and Ron Gills I don't know if they are here this morning. 
They was my sponsor, and they know, they really know my situation. And I'm here, and you can see what got made through you. Thank you, and God bless you. This young woman is amazing. Uh, not only has her life been transformed, and thank you, IBC, again, for the part that you played in that from those first days of helping to build that school. Uh, God has used so many things in her life, and not only has her life been transformed, but God has used her in an incredible way to be an advocate for so many children that are coming behind her. Now I'm going to take you back a little bit further to COTN's beginning in 1995 in the war-torn country of Sierra Leone, West Africa, where thousands of children were orphaned and living without hope. Masa was not even born yet when we first began in Sierra Leone, but the brutality of the war greatly affected her young life. And at the age of four or five, we weren't sure we were discussing that, Masa was referred to our children's home in Sierra Leone. And as you can see, hopefully, uh, she was an adorable little five-year-old girl, and she immediately stole my heart when I first met her. Amazing transformation has taken place in Masa's life, and I would love for you to hear from her yourself. Masa, come share. Thank you all for having us today. When I look at my life, all I could see is an expression of God's grace. Life before children of nation was never easy. I had so many ups and downs. When I came to Children of a Nation, I came as a broken young girl because of the effect of the war, wherein I lost both parents. And that left me as an orphan. But Jesus has bring new wine of, out of me through Children of a Nation. From being a broken young girl, I had no hope for the future. But today, I'm studying public health at one of the best universities in the Midwest. And in two years, I'll be the first graduate in my, in my family, which I'm grateful to God for through COTN. All these things wouldn't have been possible without your support. And I want to thank you all this morning for the impact you've created in our lives. Thank you. So Masa came from a hot, humid Sierra Leone, if that, those of you who've just been to Liberia can relate to that, to the cold with, uh, Midwest of Indiana. So she's freezing there, <laughs> but she has a full scholarship to Taylor University, and as she shared, is 
studying public health with the hope to go back to her country and impact so many more lives. So we're so excited for her. As you can see, so much is possible when people respond to God's call to get involved, to share their time, their talent, their resources, to share all that they've been blessed with like IBC has done. And I think if you saw the first slide up there, these two represent thousands of others, over 5,000 children across the five countries where COTN serves. And it was fun to drive in the car today, this morning at 8 a.m., was the first time that these two young ladies met each other, um, but already considered themselves sisters, I'm sure, both uh, children that were brought up in the ministry, and God has done amazing things. And we wanted to thank you again for the part that you played in that. God bless you. I know you're encouraged by that kind of message, amen? I mean, it's so good to see what God is doing. When you hear about a mission agency, I hope you know the difference between just a nonprofit and a mission. A mission uh, has the responsibility, first of all, declaring the goodness of God and giving people the opportunity to uh, have a brighter future and a brighter tomorrow and a brighter destiny, amen? And in Revelation, it talks here, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, I don't know where your political background comes, but a lot of times you might turn on uh, different heresy uh, news uh, radio stations, and uh, you hear all kinds of stuff, and you wonder, is this really true? Is there anything really alive and well within what they're telling me today? And so you have to research Uh, the more just to find out if it's true. But God says from his throne in Revelation, which is the end of the book, the end of the Bible, that he will make all things new. What does that mean? That means to me that I have something to look forward to. I have a place that God has prepared for me where there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. Ha! And in our work, see, I can't cry at the same time as I talk. In our work, uh, every day, I say, Lord, come quickly, because we have the uh, unbelievable opportunity to, to work with these children that have been tortured and almost destroyed uh, with the horrific parts uh, of mankind. These are parts that need to be set free. There are places in, on, on the planet, both here and, and abroad, where Satan is having a heyday in his Uh, God's mercy is not seen. And there isn't a day that doesn't go by that um, I read of or hear of a tragic story of one of our children or the children like our children that are being abused somewhere in the world. And, you know, we can look at eternity and say, well, you know, I know the Lord, and so I'm I'm good to go. All I got to do is write it out. But What God does is he sends a part of himself, which is the Holy Spirit, into your life. 
And when you pray and say, God, forgive me of my sins, help me to uh, begin a new life, that's the beginning of a new life. But it doesn't stop there because the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and then the rest of your days on earth, he's constantly reminding you of God's goodness and grace in your life. He longs to make everything new right now. He doesn't want you to wait until the end. And, you know, I told you a little bit about my dad's story. And for a whole month, he locked himself in the little house here in Port Angeles because he couldn't believe that his family all had died. But it wasn't until someone came and knocked on his door and said, William, Bill, come on, open the door. Now, that person was from IBC. And my dad was a used car salesman. You know, they're, well, I won't talk about used cars. I know the Wilders are probably here today. Um, (laughs) Amazing people that have really helped us, by the way. Uh, We love you, uh, Wilders. (laughs) Tried to crack. But my dad... um, Well, he was learning uh, what it meant to uh, respond to what his parents had responded. I'm the fifth generation of a missionary. So if you think about uh, his family, his parents, all there are three generations before them. So he had a great heritage, but he chose to not walk in that heritage. And, you know, we can choose that every day. And the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of the goodness of God. Then you have a choice to make, just like Adam and Eve had in the garden. They wanted to have full control, and God said, okay, well, okay, do it. But, you know, we can't say, well, Adam and Eve were bad, because I'm bad. Every day I make those same choices. I make choices of good and righteousness, or I make choices of death and destruction. And the amazing thing about what God does in missions, Tom said, hey, tell us what God's doing around the world. God is alive and well. Don't listen to your what's up news or whatever news you get, because God is alive and well. And he is restoring, he's resurrecting, he's transforming people's lives. We might be discouraged because you hear of things that seem to be falling apart. We had dinner with the family and we spent a half an hour walking around Island Lake where we live. And this guy just talked and talked about all the YouTube conspiracy theories. Those of you that watch YouTube, you shouldn't anymore. Uh, He's so bound up. His whole heart was so stressed out because there's so many conspiracies of what's happening. You know, the U.S. government is buying 300 million of this and 300 million of that and shipping this, whatever, all that foolishness is. Well, let me just tell you what. I've been in the worst place in the world and our God reigns. He reigns. There is nothing, there is no one that can take away the joy of God in your life. Nothing. You can feel sorry for yourself like I do, and I become a victim and think, well, you don't know my story. You don't know that my dad made me sing in front of Independent Bible Church when I was a child, and I messed up because of that. You don't know my story, but God reigns. He is good. He, He desires to make all things new in our lives and our bodies. And one of the things we're learning as the brain is being studied now more than any other thing is that... Um, your body needs rest, but your mind is constantly making new pathways. You see, what you thought was dead can be made alive. You, what you thought was something that would destroy you, God can turn that around, re, brain, rewire your brain in such a way where now you've become an overcomer. And you can look forward to 
your day. You can look forward to eternity. Why? Because God has made you brand new. I just want to share a few stories because I'm uh, close to being out of time already. Sorry. Uh, Pastor Aaron, you can do the trauma afterwards and explain why missionaries always talk too long. Uh, But one of our girls um, in Uganda, soon after the war, well, about 10 years after the war broke out in northern Uganda, we were just uh, horrified by all the kids that were uh, coming from their villages into the major cities because the LRA, Lord's Resistance Army, of course, they always take spiritual, a spiritual tone to them, began to come in and rape and pillage and also uh, steal all the children from the villages and would take them and force them to be soldiers. And so when we talk about these wars that you hear about, even in Sierra Leone, um, Masa's birth father was a young man. He was just a young soldier uh, that had been forced to fight in the war in Sierra Leone. Uh, these are just kids. There, I saw one in Sierra Leone. He was five years old, and his AK-47, which is a gun, uh, was too heavy to pull behind him. He was dragging it behind him. And these kids are forced to do evil you can't even imagine. They're forced to kill their own family. Those of you that have young ones, you'll have to explain. Maybe I don't want to re-traumatize you, and I won't tell you all the stories from our kids, but it's horrific. You don't think that mankind can do this. They're forced to wear body parts from their family. They're forced to uh, go through rituals that will transform them into a crazy person. They're, they're forced to drink the blood. Is this too much, Aaron? They're forced to, um, they're forced to sacrifice. They're forced to cut off limbs. They're, they're forced to wear, oh, how can man be this evil to a child? But you know, God is there. God walks with them. His angels are around them. Now, I don't get all theology. I don't get it all. Because I feel sometimes that God is not fair. I hear about miracles and I go, why not for that one? And God says, you don't know the story. I'm doing something. Trust me. And when I see kids like this and the resurrection of their lives, I go, oh God, you're good. You are using their stories for your glory. I don't understand it all, but you are making all things new. And one of our little girls, to get quick because I'm running out of time, uh, why in America do you have time? You know, you're so time-oriented. <laughs> Driving up here, I was raised in Africa and Japan, and so I'm not lying conscious. You know, the, the, the thing keeps saying, hey, stop and take a coffee break. And I'm saying, hey, you take a break. You know, I'm talking to the, the computer. But when you come over the line coming up here, every, they, they flip you off. They get mad at you uh, just because you don't stay in your line. That's, that's a real problem. <laughs> But uh, one of our young girls, her name is Lucky, and I, yeah, you have her picture up here. Broken, destroyed little girl. The rebels, young rebels came into her village, and of course the, the parents tried to grab their children and run. Well, Lucky was unlucky, and she grabbed a hold of her dad, and right then uh, a rebel fighter shot um, a bullet, went through her hand, and into her father's heart. She died in her arms, in his arms. And when you bring a child like that, you know, usually when the children come, especially if they haven't had anyone to take care of them, they have jiggers underneath their, their toenails, their hair is orange from malnutrition, Koshiko is eating their own body so they can't eat, their, their, their um, cheeks are pudgy, 
this is just all the breakdown. And you can't just say, well, here's a banana and eat it. You have to start very slow and, and bring them back to life. And little Lucky was one of those. Uh, you know, I always look at the child's feet and a girl I always look at their hair. Because if their hair is taken care of, you know, you know, women, you all like hair. It doesn't matter which country you are in. And you moms, you all like to take care of your kids and you want to make sure when they go out, their hair is plaited or somehow taken care of. Well, child that doesn't have anybody, usually their hair is not taken care of and their feet are filthy. I don't mean just dirty because kids get dirty feet. I'm talking about caked on mud that hasn't, has been there for weeks. That means the child hasn't been bathed. And parents, they want to take care of their child. So whoever's taking care of a child that cares for a child will take care of the child. Lucky came into our care with this horrific story, and we're thinking, Lord, how can you, how can you restore this girl? Lord, would you do it? Would you do it, Lord? And we began to pray and fast over little Lucky. And she went from this down complexion to uh, eventually she understand who Christ was and that Christ had forgiven her. And she was anxious to forgive the rebel who had killed her father. And one of the greatest things that we have happen when we bring in teams into Uganda is she will ask, she'll tell her story. Can we show the next picture? Yeah, there she is. She'll tell her story, and then she'll say, my heart is free. Is your heart free? Has he restored your heart? You see, somebody who has been touched by the Father, who has been restored, understands the beauty of that, and can say, I'm free. I am free. Are you free today? What are the things that Satan is using to destroy you and to keep you tied up? Who are the people that you don't like? Who are the people that you can't forgive? Who are the siblings that you haven't talked to? You know, every family has a strange one. I I think I was a strange one. (laughs) That they did something or whatever happened and you just haven't talked. Write that down on your little piece of paper. Who is that person that God is just saying, hey, you... I want you to talk to this person. I want you to make new. I want you to allow God to restore that broken train of relationship. Another young boy that uh, uh, was sponsored from this area, he, uh, we, we used to see him rolling around on the streets of Freetown begging because he got polio and his legs were crippled. And uh, his name was Muhammad, and he would always say, hey, I'm Muhammad, I'm Muhammad, always had a great smile, and he would wave at you, hoping that he would get a donation. And he overwhelmed my heart, and so I said to one of our staff um, there in Sierra Leone, Augustine Davies, who's been here, hey, let's check him out, let's see what his story is, and found out that he was an orphan, and that he didn't have anybody, and that he was ostracized, and most of the handicap of Africa are very ostracized because of whatever has happened in their lives. And it wasn't too long after he came into our care that uh, this little boy named Muhammad said, uh, I want to change my name. God has resurrected my heart. And Muhammad is a Muslim name. It's there. Muhammad is one of the, the um, um, what do you want to call him? Not the saint, but the leader. Prophet. Yes. Thank you. See, I need your help. Thank you, staff. Just keep... Fraser, I'm hoping that I'm getting more than a B this time. He always rates my messages, by the way. Uh, So Muhammad had a sponsor from IBC whose name is Stephen. Stephen, Mike, where are you? Stephen Campbell? Campbell. Oh, so you're going to ostracize them now because they left. (laughs) 
So let's just forget them. You need to sponsor a child today for that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so he picked up Stephen's name, and then because Pastor Mike was there doing the dedication of the first home that we had, he said, How about if my next name is Michael? How about Stephen Michael? And, you know, Stephen Michael is such a joy. <clears throat> But he's handicapped, and we ended up putting him through Jewey Bible College, and as a result um, of his new name and his excitement, he has now become a pastor. And his name is Reverend, Reverend Stephen Michael, Cisse. And my WhatsApp messages are usually, if they're not problems that Fraser has created, uh, they're uh, joy. Kids that are, have come from uh, unmerciful situations to a place of grace and peace. And uh, Stephen Michael texted me last week and he says, man, I, you know, I got a piece of land from the government. I had to collect some, some uh, tithes, so I went around and spoke all over the place. Can you imagine this kid takes his wheelchair, undoes it. He has to pay it for taxi fare for the wheelchair, and then he pays taxi fare for him. So he's got to pay twice, no matter where he goes. And he throws that wheelchair up on the top of the, of the truck, and off they go into the woods. He said, oh, Dad, this was a tough one. I said, why? He says, well, when we got to Bow, I had to go on bicycle for two hours on the back of a bicycle into the bush. That's where they wanted me to speak in a small church. He says, but God is good. We had lots of people come to know Jesus. A lot of people were set free. A lot of people have new names today because I did that. And now his heart and passion is to transform Sierra Leone through God's goodness because God makes all things new. And when you think of children and nation, don't just think, okay, we're feeding kids, we're helping them with health care, we're helping them with school, all the different things that we do, the, all the different elements. We're trying with Fred, we're trying to create uh, food, sustainable food. We have solar projects, A to Z. We're starting and finishing with these kids, right? But don't miss the good news of God. God does it all. He transforms because the only way that a country can be transformed is the renewal of their minds. Ephesians 4 talks about that God's desire is that our minds would be renewed and we begin to act out of that renewal. Amen? And I'll speed up. The last story is uh, one of our young girls who we found on the streets of Freetown as well. Her life was uh, destroyed. She was being used and abused. Her mother was crazy. Her father had abandoned them and ran back to Nigeria two or three countries away from her. Uh, She and her sister were roaming the streets. Uh, The the Department of Social Welfare came to us and said, hey, can you do something for this girl? We said, well, she has a mother. Yeah, but her mother is crazy, and her mother won't leave the streets. Would you please do something? This girl, she came into our home, and she wouldn't take a bath because she didn't want to be attractive to anybody that would abuse her. That's the trauma that she went through. But God began to restore her. God began to make her story brand new. And not only did this young girl finish high school, but she went on to university in Uganda, all the way across the continent. She got a bachelor's degree uh, in finance and now is working on her master's degree, has been married and has two children. God has made all things new. Amen? So my question to you would be, are you waiting until Revelations becomes true? Are you saying, you know, I want my life as peaceful as possible. I don't want to be available to God because then he'll make me go and knock on a door like he did with my dad. He might send me to Africa. He might make me do something. No, just be available. 
What might God do if you were available? What might God do if you had empathy for people around you instead of hate? What might God do if you were generous to those people around you that desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, I know that we're all different. Some of us have been called to be evangelists. Some of us teachers. Some of us uh, cooks, whatever it might be. But God has called all of us to be on this journey together, to make his name known and to make his name great, not our own. And when we're available and when we listen to him and we're allowing God to renew our minds every day, the impossible becomes possible because he wants to make all things new. He wants to make all things new in Port Angeles. He wants to make all things new in Washington State. You know, we're in a dark part of the country. If you've flown across, I feel it gets darker the farther we get spiritually. Really, I do. Um, This is a dark area. But God is at work and is creating transformation. He's not only transforming our children across the seas, but he's transforming people right here today. And let me just encourage you as you think about Children of the Nations is, you know, we started this by faith in 1995. God told us to do our part, and I still harass him about that, that, Lord, why aren't you sending us enough money? And Paul, see his head is starting to lose hair. That's because I put a lot of pressure on him to raise more money. Um, uh, But God keeps saying, you do your part. Trust in me, for all things are possible. Let me do my part. Let me mobilize the multitudes to be engaged. And a part of that is engaging you in Children of the Nations. It's raising children. It's not giving money. We don't raise money. We raise children. And your participation, just, just in sponsoring a child, isn't just about you giving, which is very important in your relationship with Christ and in your, in your growth. But when you do that, you're inviting a mentorship into your life. And when you get those letters, when you have the opportunity here, it will change your heart. Not only does it make an impact in the country, but it will make an impact in you. And we believe that God wants to create transformation in in vital ways in these countries in which we work. But he wants to do it with you. He wants you to be a part of this journey in in a child's life. We purposely didn't start uh, like the Sackors did with older individuals, which is great. We love them. I used to go and eat palm butter and rice at their house all the time. Uh, she's an amazing cook. Uh, but we started with children because we believe that the only way to see a transformation of a country is through its children, changing the values. And I know all of you believe that here in Port Angeles as well, in your investment, even with the high school and junior high students that are here. But what might it look like, even for you guys as students, what might it look like for you today to sponsor a child? And you'd say, I can't do that. I don't have a job. Oh, come on. Look at, look at the clothes you wear. In fact, Masa said to me, Dad, I want to take the kids from Taylor University, Sierra Leone, because they don't realize how good they have it. I said, okay, let's do it. You have opportunity beyond uh, the rest of the world. If you make $35,000 or more, you're, uh, what is it, 80%? You're at the 80 percentile. You make more than 80% of the world's population. And that's not a lot of money. 
It's not about where would I come up with that. It's, Lord, let me enter into this journey of transformation. And let me take one step of faith. And just like we did with Children of Nations, we took on one child. Now we have 5,000. Would you take one child a day? Would you let them become a part of your family and let them change you from the inside out? Has God restored you? Has he made you new? Are all things new today? Let's pray. Tom? Father, we're grateful that your story of redemption is so clearly given to us in in Revelation. Father, thank you that one day we will come together. We will be able to be released from all the torture and the pain that mankind has created on this world. But Lord, we know that you want to restore. You want to resurrect. You want to rename each one of us. You want us to walk in the confidence of knowing that uh, you are alive and well. Lord, thank you that you love this congregation so much. Thank you for Independent Bible Church and for the many, many years of faithfulness. And Lord, as they've reached around the world, Lord, so many are a part of this fellowship that they don't even know. And Lord, today as we um, hear of your grace and hear of the amazing nature that you have, Lord, help us to, to step out by faith and to create opportunity for one more child. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.